Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki Season 2 is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to the pre-playoff recording for Montreal Canadiens and today we're not having any guests, we're just having ourselves and it's a full lineup with uh, Jared Book uh, in, in Montreal. Hello Jared. Hello, hello, hello. You joined the Swedish crew of Anton Rossegård in Malmö. Uh, yeah, Ystad actually, if you uh, were White Town as you would say in English. Uh, Ystad, that's where that, um, what is it? Which one of this corner is it? Wallander that is, is yeah. based there from the yeah. books. Yeah, no, Wallander books. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Eastern. Yeah, and uh, I'm uh, I'm up in Kungsbacka. What is it? About forty uh, miles, European miles from Anton at this case. But it was at four hundred kilometers, more or less. Um, I'm also a little bit split vision because they're cycling on the TV, and this is my summer sport for for real. Um, we're here to talk about the. The playoff chances for the Montreal Canadiens obviously pulling Toronto in um, in the draw. Are are you happy with the with the season in retrospect? This is such a weird season, you know. And there there's so much that worked against the Canadians, and you know, with, with the schedule, with the weird like one week off and then everything condensed. Uh, you know, even before the COVID break. They were going to have a really condensed schedule. After that COVID break, they had just a insane schedule. I, I don't. I, this season will be defined because they made the playoffs. If, if they didn't make the playoffs, then it, it's such a hard way to judge it because it was such a weird schedule and unprecedented. Like I don't see the Dallas Stars making any grand changes because they missed the playoffs because of their insane schedule, right? Like no one's calling for that. But in Montreal, they would have. So they made the playoffs. That's step one. I think how this team performs in the playoffs will determine how we feel about this season. Because as long as they made the playoffs, it wasn't going to be a massive disappointment. That Missing the playoffs would have been a massive disappointment. They made the playoffs. It is what it is. Now we get to see what, you know, perhaps what this team really is. And as long as they are putting up a, a, a fight, Against Toronto, it, it really is a good season. Uh, just don't get blown out by 4-0 in, in games or something like that. Do you agree with that assessment, Jantan? 
Yeah, it is what Jared said. It's been it's been a weird season for every team, naturally, but the Canadians, especially, I think, um, if we look at the North Division, um, the Canadians went into the season feeling really good uh, about themselves. Obviously, after having beat out Pittsburgh and gone to six games against Philadelphia, but really, if you look at it, that was the only only good point about last season in total. Like last season was was a shit show from start to finish when it came to the regular season, the Canadians weren't good. They were only good in that playoff series, basically. And you can say that it, it was due to injuries and unfortunate things. And, and it was young guys playing their first season and everything. But um, obviously, Bergman went out and acquired players who, who would strengthen the team. And we've talked about that before, that, I mean, where would this team have like be during this season if they didn't have those acquisitions of Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, Joel Edmonds, and Jake Allen, uh, or even Romanov, who has taken a... Even if he's been up and down during the season as a rookie should, he has still been a steady presence on the blue line. He, he has been there for all of the season, if you compare that to a lot of other players who have been injured. Um yeah, it's been weird. Like, I don't think anyone expected Claude Julien, especially after going on that 7-1-2 and start, that Claude Julien would just be out of the door a month later. Um, and then I, I don't... I don't know how we should judge Dominic Ducharme after this season. There have been some questionable decisions from him. Um, but at the same time, as, as he has said in, in several press conferences they haven't had any time to practice. So if you want him to implement another style of play, it's kind of difficult to do that when you have no chance to actually work on it. Um, so it's it's kind of, as, as you said, it, it could have been much worse. There are teams who have arguably better talent than the Canadians on the roster who are actually missing the playoffs and had, had a, had a terrible season. The Canadians have, have still done what they set out to do. They are in the playoffs. They are one of 16 teams and they have a chance. Now it's up to the players to really feel like this is, this is maybe a scenario they won't have again. Who knows what it will look like next season. We, we don't know that we know that they are there now. And we know that Toronto has, has trouble uh, converting in the playoffs, even if they have an arguably better roster with better skill players, who knows. We also what... mentioned that uh, just before we, we started recording Anton that um, everyone seems to struggle in Montreal with the condensed schedule, including mm-hmm. uh, veterans as well as rookies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so it's really we were talking about Kotkaniemi and Romanov, um, whether they would have benefited from a stint in the AHL or something like that, just ju- just to get gain some confidence back. But it's just been it's just been tiring on all players, obviously. And it's gonna be interesting to look now. Now that we start the playoffs, it's gonna be interesting to look because we saw obviously just what a Paul Byron can do when he came back after m- spending two three weeks out of the lineup due to an injury, what can then Brenda Gallagher, Carey Price, Shea Weber, all these players who are a bit older, a bit more beaten up, but now they've had the time to rest, what can they, they do now that they are maybe more rested than they would have been in a normal 82-game season coming into the playoffs? Yeah, that, that's the thing for me that, that makes this, you know, people looking at the, the games in April against Toronto and April and May against Toronto, it's not just the rest it's the fact that they're getting rested price back rested Gallagher back, you know, potentially a rested Weber back. Uh, even Dano had a little bit longer rest than, than the rest of the team. It's not just that they're getting healthy. 
And it's not just that they have, you know, a two days off and then like a five days of practice. It's, it's not just that it's the combination of both of those things together that makes this team. You can basically throw out the season <laughs> out the window, right? Because for, first of all, you know, I, I want to go back just a bit to what Anton said about every team being disappointed. I said before the year that out of the seven teams in the North, two are going to be really disappointed. And then Ottawa, right? I don't think Ottawa is disappointed missing the playoffs because they had a great finish and, and um, they're building their, their rebuild right now. But you replace Calgary and Vancouver with any of the other two teams, they would have been disappointed. I'm sure Calgary and Vancouver are disappointed. You know, so I, the North decision was always going to be four teams that made it, two teams that were going to be really disappointed with their season and Ottawa. And, and that's pretty much how it played out. We just didn't know which teams would be in which spot. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, like I said, getting Gallagher back and, and getting a boost from him, like his first shift in the playoffs in game one, uh, like that's going to be must-see TV, I think. Like he's just going to, you know. Uh, Alex mean, Ovechkin... going to slash his hand directly? <laughs> I don't think so. It, it's healed. <laughs> you know, like you're going to try and break another one of his fingers. They would have done that anyway. Um, Weber, on the other hand, maybe, you know, who knows? But Gallagher, I don't think they will. And, you know, th- that's the thing is that officials are going to look for that too, right? Like if you know a guy is hurt and you see guys slashing hands, like in a seven-game series, I don't know if you want to go down that road, right? Toronto has a couple of guys who you probably wouldn't want to get injured and things like that. So, yeah, I don't. if it was a different team, maybe. I don't see Toronto as doing that. You know, they, they're, they're not going to try and beat Montreal like that because they know if, if the shoe's on the other foot, they're, they're in trouble, right? So... Uh, you don't want to give Corey Perry any incentive to do anything, right? So, looking for for the playoff series, uh, what will be the exclamation mark of this series for Montreal and maybe for for Toronto as well? I, I think that the key, the, the explanation mark for Montreal, is going to be. Oh, that's a good question. There, there's so many X factors. Like there, there's so many. Like I don't know where to go. I think that this team will go as Philip Deneau goes. I, I, no, I don't like that answer anymore. I'm going to go with Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki is going to be the, the key to the series, I think. Uh, because I think that if you look at Deneau's role that he'll have in this series, if you look at Jake Evans' role that is kind of growing into his role, you know, you have Eric Stahl slash, yes, very good, Kenyemi, who knows what's going to happen there. But I, I think if Nick Suzuki plays well, the Canadians have a very good chance. If Nick Suzuki does not play well, I don't I don't know if they have a chance. Unless like somebody else steps up majorly. You know, unless like Eric Evans. Stahl or, or unless like they need one of their other centers. Like if you think that Jake Evans is gonna potentially do you know what he did to Connor McDavid against John Tavares or, or Austin Matthews, like it's a big ask. But if he does that and if Philip Nano does what he does, then you need one of the other centers to step up. That's what happened in the bubble, right? You had Kudkiniemi, uh, you had Suzuki, and you had Dano. That that was the the, the three the three headed uh, trident. You know they used it for defense. Could have easily been for the forwards as well. I think that they need they need two two other centers to step up. If you assume Dano is going to do his thing, you need Suzuki, Kudkiniemi, Stahl, Evans. You need two of those to step up as well. So that's going to be the, uh, the the key to the series in my mind. Definitely. I, I would go with Jeff Petrie because we saw at the beginning of the season, um, especially when he 
when he he come, came out of the he came out uh, flying at the beginning of the season and we haven't really seen him perform at that high level um during April obviously he has been asked to do a lot more with Weber out and, and just yeah injuries in general uh but if Jeff Petrie Jeff Petrie will have to carry the blue line it, it's no doubt in I think anyone who has followed Montreal this season that Jeff Petrie is the leading blue liner. Uh, it's not Shea Weber anymore. So if you want someone to lead the team from the back end, it's Jeff Petrie. And if he can perform as he did offensively, um, you get another dimension in your in your attack. Um, so I would go with Jeff Petrie as the X factor going into uh, the series. You went for X factor, and and uh, yeah, um, for, if we're talking about the X factor for me, that would be which care price shows up because yeah. he is yeah. the one that has to steal a couple of games, I guess. Uh, especially as we saw the lines last night, but we're not sure about how the lines will be today, so we're not <laughs> going to go into dive into that. Is there though a question mark? And and for me, I will be honest, the question mark for me is to Ducharme. Yeah, that's because right. he but, he says he needs veterans. He says uh, that's what they brought in to to be able to make the playoffs. But doesn't that mean that you know we should change coach as well because he doesn't have that experience? Um, so so it's a little bit of a twist. But we haven't really seen the real Ducharme, as you mentioned, Jared. He hasn't been imp- yeah. been had the chance to implement his own system. He hasn't had the chance to to set up his own lines, maybe. Uh, see what works in, in his tactics compared to other ones' tactics. So, so this will be the the this is the question mark for me. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because you look at the last two playoff losses by the Canadians, and I'm thinking last year against Philadelphia, and I'm thinking against against the Rangers. You could argue that Ali Vigneault outcoached Claude Julien and then Kirk Muller basically in both of those series. And what I'm interested to see is how Ducharme will adjust. And, and look, Sheldon Keith as well, you know, his only playoff experience in the NHL was, you know, the, the, the loss to Columbus last year. So he, he has a pretty big, you know, it's not like he's, it's not like they're going against uh, up against Alain Vigneault either. Right. Like, so it's, it, it is too, you know, yes, Keith has, you know, won a, a Calder company AHL, you know, Dominic Ducharme has won a World Juniors and he's won a Memorial Cup as well. So I think that that's a very good point because how he adjusts, you know, we all talk about how, you know, he's going up in, into game one. He looks like it's play, going to be playing Eric Stahl and Corey Perry over Cole Caulfield and Yasperi Kotkaniemi. What I want to see is how he's going to adjust. How Because it's, a, it's very different to not only have practice, but have practice going up against one opponent. And that's where you see good coaches become great coaches and, you know, good coaches become replaceable coaches. And, and look, he's fighting for a job. You know, if, even, even if Mark Bergevin gets fired or whatever happens to Mark Bergevin, whether he stays or goes, this playoff series is basically his audition. You know, if you look at the season and say, and just shrug your shoulders, okay, but eventually you have to show something. And yeah, I think, However, Dominic Ducharme's performance in this playoff series will determine his future, not just in the Canadians organization, but his coaching future. And, and I think that that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy, but I think that that's a very good point, Patrick. I think, yeah, you know, how he adjusts is going to be the difference because you, you know, no one's expecting a sweep either way. 
right? Even even the Sportsnet columnists who all, all picked Toronto, no one picked Toronto in four. Uh, and no one's expecting Montreal to win in four. So it's not winning game one. No it's one how expects Montreal to win at all. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But people people said there's no sweep. You know, No one's saying Toronto in four. Very few people are saying Toronto in four. So in that sense, it's not what happens in game one. It's how you fine-tune into game two and beyond because the series isn't going to be won or lost in on game one. So it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, we haven't really, he hasn't had practice. He hasn't had uh, an ideal lineup. Uh, he hasn't had anything really like he, he's been, you know, ha- coaching this season with one hand time behind his back for most, most of it. So it'll be very interesting to see how he, how he performs with everything kind of back, you know, players back and, and everything like that. Has it been a, Co- has been coaching with a hand behind his back in regards to the place that was brought in at the deadline as well, Anton? I don't think so. I think they were brought in much as insurance. And yeah, of course, it became a hand hand behind his back when when he suddenly realized that he, could on, he, he couldn't really bring anyone up. So it was really like he had to play the the, the players that he had. Um, he couldn't make uh, many changes on the on the forward side. But we have seen Eric Gustafsson being scratched for most of the games. It's obviously because um, Ducharme doesn't think he's good enough. Still, I mean, it, it was a worthwhile shot. It was a seventh-round pick going the other way. But, yeah, it, yeah, there are a lot of excuses to be had for Dominic Ducharme, obviously, um, during this season. If if it doesn't go his way now in the series, you can, uh, like, if someone wants to give Ducharme another chance, whether it's Mark Bergevin or a new general manager, they can point at a lot of things why he should get a chance just because we haven't seen what he can do with a rested group of players and and what he can do with with the preseason and all of these stuff and and we've seen what he can do with with young players before in the queue and and Jonathan Drouin was uh, arguably playing his best hockey after after having a lot of um a lot of uh, uh, video uh, video sessions uh, yeah video sessions with um Ducharme before the season, before uh, last season. So there are a lot of things that could work in his favor, but uh, still, I mean, the Canadians haven't performed better than they did during Julian uh, this season. So, so yeah, uh, it works in both ways, but the Canadians ha- will have to put up a good effort at least. And, and it's going to be interesting to see because we've seen that Stahl and Perry, they are not quick players and the Canadians have been built before this season to to play a quick brand of hockey and if they go out in the first game with Stall and Perry and focuses on experience and they end up losing maybe big time even is he then brave enough to call on the young guys um and actually you know if they we have seen what the young guys can do um in the last few games uh, young guys I mean uh, guys like Evans and and Caulfield who aren't cemented in in the lineup and um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he has the guts to bench an Eric Stahl, who was brought in for the playoffs, if it doesn't go the way it was planned to go. You know, and I'm going to just touch on that. I, I think it's easier to bench Stahl and or Perry after game one, if you can see they're not up to the speed or whatever, than it is to keep Kotkaniemi and Caulfield in the lineup if you use them and lose game one, I'm not saying either way, what will happen. Like there's a lot of things that can change, but if, if he does play Stalin Perry in game one and it doesn't work, then you have 
uh, an excuse to be like, okay, you know what? We, we gave them an opportunity. They clearly weren't up to it. And even if it's game one and game two, like, it, it doesn't make a difference. But I think that, like, I don't mind, like, let, let's say that you have, you want to play Stalin and Perry in game one. Then who else is there to take out? Like, I don't want to take out Arturi Lekinen or Jake Evans or Yul Armia. Like, it, it's such a, we've gone from having no forwards to having too many forwards. Like it's kind of weird. Like, yes, the obvious answer seems like it's Corey Perry and Eric Stahl out, but at the same time, I they they're the kind of players that once game one hits, they become different players. So I don't know. I think it's worth to try it because if they lose with Kudkinim and Caulfield, you know that the instinct is going to be okay. Stahl and Perry in. That's it. So I think giving them the chance first is a seniority and b you know, maybe a little bit of uh, giving them the first opportunity on the road when, you know, maybe Toronto doesn't want to attack them as, as much as they would, you know, a young Cole Caulfield or, or something like that. I, I don't know exactly the reasoning, but I, I think that it, it's easier to bench them after game one than it would be to keep Kotkaniemi and Caulfield in the lineup if they lose game one and they are in the lineup. So I don't know if that makes sense to you guys or if it's just in my head, but I feel like that's part of the reasons. Like, listen, we, they, they say that they, they're here to step up at the playoff time. Let's give them game one and see if they can really do that. And that's where you'll determine whether they are able to flick that switch on or not. And if they're not able to, then you have to go with different options. Looking at Toronto, is there a question mark in Toronto's case? Or is well, it a complete Definitely. I, I think the question mark in Toronto's case is mental. You know, the, if the question is whether Toronto is a better team than Montreal, I don't think that's much of a question. Right, no one, you know, except for Craig Button, not many people were picking Montreal over Toronto at the start of the season. So, if you're looking at what team is better, I think it's really clear that Toronto is better. But there are question marks. Goaltending, huge question mark. You know, you can get by in the playoffs with good goaltending. You can't get by in the playoffs with bad goaltending. So, you know, what's going to happen there? You know, if this game goes to six, seven games. What's going to happen? This team is a team that hasn't won a playoff series. Uh, you know, does he have Joe Thornton, you know, who, let's face it, isn't known to be a very good playoff performer. Like, he's he's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. But those Sharks teams didn't play in the playoffs. You know, those his, his Boston teams early in his career lost as the number one seed to Montreal. So, I, I you know, Jason Spezza, same thing. Not a lot of, you know, great player. Not a lot of postseason success you know so yes there's definitely question marks you know they have a lot of great players but i i think until they win a playoff series that's going to be a, a big circle over their head and it's it's not unique to toronto you know pittsburgh faced it with crosby washington with ovechkin you know great edmonton with mcdavid it's the exact same scenario going on there so i i think that until you win a playoff series there's going to be those questions and it, it's a hurdle so yeah i i don't think that I think that there are question marks, but on paper, Toronto is a better team. No question. What is the exclamation mark for Toronto? Is it Mitch Marner? Is it the the uh, Austin Matthews duel? Yeah, basically it is. Um, obviously, we've we've seen Austin Matthews have... If Connor McDavid didn't have 100 points and Leon Dreisaitl being Leon Dreisaitl uh, at the back end of it, like 
it, it has it has been a lot of talk, obviously, because it's Canada about Austin Matthews having a 40 goal season, but it would be even more if Connor McDavid didn't exist. Um, because Austin Matthews has had a tremendous year. And if you take away the he had a 10 game stretch when, when he didn't have a goal and looked kind of out of place, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's been a great season. But as 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 we've said, you know, seasons aren't won in the regular season, so it doesn't really matter if you have 40 goals and then you get beaten by a Columbus team or a Montreal team in the first round, um, especially for a franchise that yeah hasn't won in over 50 years. Uh, so yeah, uh, the exclamation point is obviously, um, especially Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner is tremendous as his um, as his co-host uh, of um, you know of that offense, and and yeah, they have more talent. They have that you know, 99th percentile talent um, that they can especially show when they're one man up in a, in a power play. That really begs the question, will, will yeah. the refs call the same way as they do in, in the regular season or will this be playoff hockey? Of course not. They won't do that. We know that. It's, it play, playoff, you know, it's, it's, playoff hockey is different. Like, take away last year's bubble and, and things like that, but playoff hockey is still playoff hockey. They're not gonna they're gonna call it the way they've always called it. And 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 I don't I think that that is probably advantage Montreal, but I mean Toronto's power play has been pretty bad um lately. But I mean you don't want to give it too many chances, right? Because they're gonna figure it out at some point. So th- there's gonna be opportunities on the power play, definitely on both sides. Uh but I, I think that that five on five will determine this game. Uh, the series, sorry, not this game, the series. So yeah, I it's I, I don't think you can assume that the referees are gonna call this like the rest of the regular season. I think it's gonna be uh it's gonna be regular playoff refereeing, I think. It will also be interesting because there is no bubble, but there is also no crowds. Um do you think that will will impact the players or or have the um DJs learn to, to raise the <laughs> The sound levels accordingly. I, I think the sound levels are, are going to get better. You can tell. Like I went to I went to the Laval Rocket games uh, a lot of the season at the Bell Center, and the first couple of games didn't have any crowd noise, and then they started getting crowd noise, and then they started getting like crowd like instant reactions. Like if there was a scoring chance, you'd have like the crowd going ooh, and you could hear it on the broadcasts too in in Montreal in, in, at the Bell Center games. So they're getting better. They're getting used to it. And, and I think that that's definitely going to be a factor. I think you're going to hear some like olays and stuff like that in the playoffs. I think they're going to ramp it up a little bit. I would bet that the volume at the Bell Center is going to be louder than it was in the regular season. And it's not going to be real, but there's going to be families at the games. So, you know, there's going to be some crowd noise and, and families aren't going to be 21,000 people. So it's going to be a little bit different. But I, I think that once, I, I think that playoff hockey just hits different. And I think that this team has a lot of, they, they brought on what, six players who have won a Stanley Cup before on this Montreal team? Froelich, Edmondson, Allen, uh, Perry. Toffoli. Toffoli and Stoll. Edmondson. So, yeah, six. All, all six of those guys have won a Stanley Cup before. Not just a one series or, or things like that. They have won the Stanley Cup before. So I think that, you know, I'm not saying that people can just flick a switch and and be better. Like, I'm not expecting this team to just, like, I'm not expecting this team to just turn around the team that we saw at the end of the regular season, but there's a certain things get amped up. Right. And I think that they, they have a chance. 
because of the experience they have. This team was built not to finish first in the regular season. This team was built for the playoffs. And whether that works or not remains to be seen. I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying Montreal. We'll get to the predictions later. But what what's going to happen in the series is that Montreal has that group that, you know, that could turn it on in the playoffs. And I think, like, game one is going to determine a lot of things for the future of this franchise. Not Maybe not game one, but more or less. Like, if they come out and get blown out, I don't know if they can come back from that. But if game one is close, I, I think that we're in for a long series. Don't you think, like, if they get, get blown out in first game, that Toronto kind of takes it easier like they just assume that oh this will be an easy ride and they just kind of can underestimate the canadians for the rest of the series it's possible but i mean you have to also think of what montreal will do (laughs) i guess that depends how they've blown out right like if they get blown out because carrie price just isn't very good then that's one thing you know it's his first game in what a couple months or you know at least a month uh so yeah i think that it depends how how they get blown out like if they get if they out shoot toronto like 40 to 25 but lose like 5-1 then i think that's a little bit different than if they get outshot like 60 to 20 and get blown out like six nothing or something yeah or it, it also depends on if they, the goals come against them when they chase the game and right it, yeah it, it, exactly right like, like yeah you know if it's like if, if it's four nothing after the first 15 minutes like it was a couple weeks ago then i think they're in trouble <laughs> let's put it that way All right, all right. Before we go to the Toronto Montreal predictions, what are your predictions for the Oilers Jets? I think it has to be Edmonton. Like, like you talk about talk about like limping into the postseason. Winnipeg was just awful. Like that was one of the few teams Montreal beat in the last month of the season. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, Winnipeg is a good team. Uh, I think that they were always expected to be you know on that playoff bubble and in the end they were like they, they were Montreal was as bad as Montreal was you know Winnipeg you know was almost reachable for them so uh I I think that you know you you have to go with Edmonton but Winnipeg is a good team you know but I I, I think it'll be interesting I mean you know you talk about goaltending right we talked I talked about goaltending earlier about you know Jack Campbell Fred, Freddie Anderson Carey Price Same thing in, in Edmonton, Winnipeg. You have Connor Hellebuck, who you know is probably going to be good to great. And then you have Mike Smith. And uh, which Mike Smith will show up <laughs> right, exactly. during season one that we've seen <laughs> this year or something else. Is <laughs> exactly so it, it's that's you know, as good as Austin Matthews is, as good as Connor McDavid is, if your goaltending is bad, you will not win in the playoffs. And they have nothing behind him, really. We've seen what Mikko Koskinen has done, and he has done—he has been awful. So yeah. if Mike Smith isn't on point, yeah, as you say, it doesn't really matter what Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl does because no one in the in the in the team trusts Mikko Koskinen at this point. So it has to be all on Mike Smith. Yeah, and they also have that history of of being the five seed losing to the twelve seed, like you know, like Montreal did to Pittsburgh and. Like Toronto, you know, was in a closer matchup against Columbus, but they also lost that. So it's going to be interesting. And we saw Chicago beat Edmonton last yeah, year. Exactly, so. exactly. They lost that five twelve matchup. So it's it. They have that kind of hump to get over as well. But I, I do find it kind of funny that the the first game of the North Division playoffs is going to be Toronto and Edmonton, just like the bubbles were last year. So I, I do I do find the the that that kind of funny. Anton, your prediction for the for the Toronto Montreal series. Or to Montreal. 
of course. Uh, no, no, I actually, um, I'm pretty, um, I wouldn't say confident because obviously there is nothing to be confident about when you're the fourth seed against the first seed. But I think that the way that Montreal has built this team, I think you shouldn't look too much at the regular season because as you said, Jared, this team wasn't built for the regular season. This team is built to, to perform now. And, um, I feel, I still feel like Mark Bergevin has done it right this time. Um, and, uh, I'm intrigued to see what they can do in a whole playoff series when you're just facing one opponent. Um, you know exactly how, how the opponents play when you're, you've, you've met them in the division nine or ten times this season. And I just feel like Toronto has... I, I don't feel like Toronto has another gear uh, in them, but I do feel like Montreal has one or two gears extra if, if they can just find it. Um, I do think that's an advantage as well that the Canadians get back several key players rested while Toronto doesn't doesn't have that privilege um, in the same way so I'm a believer in um, in Montreal actually actually beating Toronto um, in, in a seven game series and I'm not just saying that to be a homer I actually do believe it so um, we'll, we'll see we'll see maybe I'll have to eat that in two weeks but I'll, I'll still keep keep that until until the Canadians are, are beat out so calling the mechanic to find the, the different gears Jared <laughs> your it, prediction I, I you know it's so hard because we don't know what this Montreal Canadiens team is <laughs> we just don't know like we we think that they're going to be better but we thought that they were going to be a little bit better all season so you know I, I think that like I said before I think that they'll find that extra gear like like Anton's saying but would I bet on it no no I wouldn't bet on it so uh because I don't I just don't know but I think that there is. Uh, let, let's put it this way: I'm, I, I'm gonna. I, I don't know. I don't want to make a prediction, but what I will say is, the team that loses the series is gonna look a lot different next year. Is that fair? Could I could I say that as a prediction? Is that is that? <laughs> t- tell me right now. If that, if that's well, well, you you, if that's you did the say it, so out, we're gonna go with that prediction. If that's taking I'm the cheap way be, out, I'm I'll, gonna be the downer, and I'm gonna say four to Toronto, Toronto in six. <laughs> What I will say this, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a little bit better. If Toronto's goaltending is better than Montreal's goaltending, there's Toronto will win. That's that's a little bit closer, I think, to right. to, to my prediction. But but I think that I I do think that this series is going to be a lot closer than people think. I, I think it's going to go longer than five games. I think there's going to be a couple of overtime games in there. I, I think that this is going. This is the ultimate test for Toronto. Because for years, they've been saying, oh, are we gritty enough to win in the playoffs? And Montreal's the kind of team that's like, oh, we're gritty enough for the playoffs. So I, I think that this is going to be the, the, the kind of the test, right, to see what wins out in the playoffs. Is it, is it hard work and, and getting that the right team to win in the playoffs? Or is it getting the best team to just kind of steamroll the regular season and the playoffs? Because like I said, there's no question that Toronto's the better team. No question at all. But what's going to happen is in a seven-game series, it doesn't matter about what's on paper. We Look, most of Montreal's greatest triumphs in the playoffs since 1993 has been as the underdog. They, this, is, this is how they've lived their, their, their playoff lives, except for basically 2014. They, they've won as the underdog. So, you know, they haven't always won as the underdog. They've lost as the underdog too. They've lost as the favorite. 
but their their biggest triumph since 1993 has been as the underdog. So this is the position that we've seen Montreal perform in the playoffs as their best. But who knows? It, it, it's I think it's going to be really close. I'm really excited for this series because I think, it, you know, if this series was round two, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. There were points this year where Montreal and Toronto were the best team in the North. So what, what Montreal team will show up? That's the question. And we're going to leave you there. Uh, you can follow Anton not at Twitter, but uh, you can follow him on his articles on Eyes on the Prize. You can follow, follow him around on... Sweden. You know where he is. <laughs> yeah, now. you can follow him around Sweden as well. Uh, and obviously, Jared, you're on Twitter at uh, Jared Book, right? Yep, that's right. And uh, you can hassle me on Twitter as well. Please hit that subscribe button on your uh, podcast provider. Uh, leave comments in the articles. And uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And, and we'll read the comments even if we're not interacting all the time. Thank you guys for listening. I hope for great playoffs. This is Patrick Bexel signing off for Eyes on the Price. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.